0: CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Quality matters. It matters in all stages of life. And unfortunately, quality is suffering in the way that society is treating the importance of it. It's not nearly as prioritized. As I would like it to be. I will give a very quick update because I think it's important. If you're new, by the way, welcome. But a very fast update for what's going on in the circle of life that is nonsense that I'm spinning around. Right round like a record, this keeps spinning. So, car fiasco. I now own two cars. The only reason I own two cars is because the first car, I cannot register it legally in the state of Nevada. This is a Nevada problem. Turns out there was an error made due to nobody's fault except for this insurance company when they reported this business. I talked to the insurance company. They have assured me that they were going to work on it and fix it and then send me a document that confirms that there was an error and they fixed it. Hopefully to be able to register it. That will solve that one last piece so I can at least sell that car. Or keep it. I haven't decided yet, but I'm probably going to sell it. But then I bought this newer car. It's an older year, but it's a more it's a fancier car, I should say. More recent car. The more recent car has every feature I want. It's exactly what I want in terms of features. Today, I drove it, test drove it. It was perfectly fine. It's a little stiff on the steering, but that could have simply been the new tires that they put on. No problem. Everything else is fine. I noticed that the battery's drained. Not the regular battery, but it's a uh, plug-in hybrid. So the hybrid battery was drained. That's normal because when it sits on a lot, obviously, they just let it go. And then a lot of times, if it hasn't been driven for a while, it'll just drain on its own unless you charge it. They don't charge these. Okay, so I see that. It's all fine. I like the car. It's cool. I take it, get it home. I'm happy. I drove it yesterday just to make sure there wasn't anything weird. Today, I went to go get some food to pick it up. Check engine light comes on roughly about a mile out. Okay, so I'm now not happy because it's the second car that has a check engine light going on roughly the same number of miles, about 65k miles. And I don't like that pattern. And if you're curious, the problem is use, how you use the car. Most cars are not going to get check engine lights like this unless they've been abused. We're talking, you go to a Jiffy Lube or some crap maintenance, or you try to do it yourself, don't know what the F you're doing. I see in the service history. This car was taken to an actual dealership for the model. So I know it was taken well care of by the dealership. However, I can't say they got the best parts. The battery looks like it's been recently replaced. As far as I can tell, it's an actual OEM. I don't see any issues under the hood. I don't see anything that would tell me that they went cheap. So all I can suspect with this business is something recall related. I checked outstanding recalls. There are none. So I contact the dealer, which is CarMax I talked about. And Carmack says, yeah, we can get you in here to find out what's wrong. Do you do, do bring it on down? All right, fine. Yeah, but what about fixing it? Well, we're booked out for until about. I'll get you in there on the 14th. No, that's not going to work, bro. No, I'm not waiting two weeks to get the damn thing fixed. You only got a 30-day warranty. That ain't going to work for me, brother. And so I escalated it. Submitted to the BBB instantly because I want them to chase the executive office and they need to find a place who can get my car in there within a day or two or Give me your max care plan that's normally $2,000, $2,500 for free so I don't have the 30-day wait and I can get stuff done. Bottom line, we're not burning two weeks just to get this fixed when you sold it to me this way. I'm willing to work with you to get your service to do it, but you're not going to make me wait and burn half of my 30 days. The car is drivable. It doesn't have any other issues that I can see. I did my own analysis. I don't see any major issues with the car, so I suspect it's something petty. Hopefully it's not a cat converter, but because it's still within the 30 days, it's not on me, it's on them, but it still bothers me because it means that when some, when some people sell their car, they literally sell their car and people are less taking care of them when they sell them. And that's making it worse because the inventory of used is going up for high mileage cars to boot. And that means that they're abused and the dealers are doing less to identify the issues because I bought from this dealer before. And that car, like I said, never had an issue. That was the car for just before this one that I had in 2021 that I gave back to the bank. I didn't ever have any issues with that one, ever. Uh, Aston Marcus, which was before that one, never had any issues with that one. So I don't know what the deal is with cars. I have no idea. All I know is these are troubling. It's The pattern is troubling because it's now two, roughly the same amount of miles. One of them's a gas car, one of them's not. The one that's a gas car, had other things going on that might've been problems unforeseen and the deal was kind of sketchy and no warranty there. So I had to put out of pocket. At least this one has a warranty, but now I got to see what's going to happen with that one. Cause I certainly don't want to do this. That was the whole reason I didn't want to drive this first one too, because if it's a check engine, there's some serious issue I could get stranded. So now it's good that I chose not to go this week because I still have to pay rent and other things. So summary, short note, I'm still freaking stuck here because I've got this nonsense that keeps popping up and I can't seem to solve it. However, since this car is covered by a warranty, I'm at least partially optimistic if I can get them to respond fast and get, get me in there quick. I don't care if I have to drop it off because of course I have another car that I can use, but I need this fixed and I need them to identify any other issues and get them fixed too. So that's what's on deck. I don't like it. Talking about things that I don't like and you probably don't like either. The numbers don't look good today as I record this, and we're going to talk about that and what I saw, because I think it interests or should interest you as to some of the possible symptoms of what was going on. Let's check out our charts here today. I'm, of course, checking Coindesk.com, and some people don't like Coindesk.com because of their allegiance to certain sketchy companies. It's ultimately a graph and i've compared that the numbers are the same so in terms of just using it for numbers it's fine do they have a lean bias with their news absolutely but certain of the news are well known and you can trust them so i'm i choose to use coindesk.com you're free to use tradingview.com or any of the other ones out there for your own but i talk through what i do especially if you're new what i do is i check the graph i zoom out to the month chart because the the lesser Uh, frequency ones seem to be a bit misleading as to what the truth is. The month chart seems to give me the best indicator of velocity, strength, momentum, where we're going. That's what I'm interested in that i like to share. So as I zoom out to the month chart, Ethereum currently is waving around the 1560 mark, got to a high of 1657, just shy of 1660. And as I look at the month chart, it is much more heavily red than green, which indicated potentially some downward movement. I talked about this. On our uh, Tuesday episode, all of a sudden, lo and behold, we got an amazing dump just very recently. There are a couple of people who had some theories as to what was going on with why there was a dump. It seems like there was a number of different separate things altogether. If you go up to our episode we did on YouTube, I did a very lengthy episode where I said, I don't think we're at the bull run yet. And the reason I don't think we're there yet is because we don't know what other these one-off weird things just going to pop up and kill that momentum that we started with, where we are not, we're being suppressed essentially. I don't like it, but I recognize it for what it is. It's obvious. We can see that. That's what it looks like here happened. There's just a number of different things going on. So in the short term, there certainly was a negative impact. If I look at then the long-term What does that potentially mean? I said before that it felt like the base for Bitcoin was between 10 and 12. So far, I'm not going to change that stance. I could, but right now I'm not going to change that stance. But we do see that Bitcoin doesn't have anywhere near the strength that it had even just a month ago. So we've lost momentum is the point. Ethereum lost significant momentum in comparison to Bitcoin. Ethereum, all of a sudden, because of all these different things I'm about to talk about and what appears to be, and I'm speculating here because I can't know, but what appears to be uh, the connection between Ethereum and Bitcoin with respect to liquidity and price movement and backing assets, it seems like the, the level of disruption on the Bitcoin side had a greater impact on Ethereum than was anticipated. Again, I am speculating. This is no affirmative statement I'm going off what I see in graph because ethereum does not seem to have anywhere near the momentum that we saw just last month just like Bitcoin doesn't but with ethereum it's even worse back at the late part of the last year I said it felt like ethereum was it was not going to be able to go if it went beneath a thousand it wasn't going to go too far and if it did I would sing live karaoke on the channel and then of course we went on runs but I also said that the runs may not sustain. I just said it seems like we weren't going to go beneath $1,000. As it stands right now, we're not, but we're. it feels like we're trending downward because of what I said on the month graph. Well, we don't have very far to go because we're right in, again, the $1,500, $1,600 mark. We're not that far off from getting back down to like the twelve hundred dollars mark, possibly going down if it can't sustain on bottom resistance. So I'm not making a statement that it will. I'm saying that the graphs appear to indicate downward trend, and downward stress. Now that you kind of wrap all that, I want to talk about some of the symptoms of what was going on from my perspective. And I stress, it is simply my perspective. I'm not making any affirmative anything because I cannot do, because some of these are intangibles that there's no way to really know. Number one, there was a significant amount of liquidation of Bitcoin very recently. We know that there's constant, there's liquidation all the time. There's liquidation all around. It never stops. It's it's a regular type thing. But this level of like we see these major liquidation events that are unexpected, I'll say. I also said that with the Voyager situation, they had some crypto on stake that may trigger somewhat of a dump. Didn't know for sure, but it's still possible. But separately. Your friend and not mine, the, uh, Gary Gensler from the SEC, came out and was making some statements again designed to harm investor sentiment and confidence in cryptocurrency. He was targeting specifically crypto trading platforms. So when you talk about crypto trading platforms, we talk regularly the centralized exchanges mostly. There is a concept in anything, whether it's stock or financial, or in this case, crypto in their mind. There's this concept of custodianship. I talked about it before. When you put your cryptocurrency in a centralized exchange, if you read their terms, which nobody does, and I encourage you do, if you read their terms, you will find verbiage that says something to the effect of by depositing your assets, your cryptocurrency, in an exchange or purchasing cryptocurrency that stays in the exchange, you are agreeing to give them custodianship over the cryptocurrency. This means that you don't own the cryptocurrency when it's in the exchange. They're holding it on your behalf, and then they present you a value, portfolio value, but you don't own it. They own it, and they're presenting a value to you. This is what allows them then to seize your assets or withhold them from you because you don't own the cryptocurrency when they're in the exchange. Not your keys, not your coins. In order to truly own your cryptocurrency, it must be in a wallet that you control, period. If you don't control it, you don't own it, that, period, point blank. So with this custodianship, people don't really know that. They don't read the terms, so they don't understand. So when these freezing of assets happen through these different exchange failed exchanges happen, people don't know what's going on and how can they do that and how are we not protected? You're not protected because the terms don't protect you, the terms protect them. Gary Gensler came out and he said, you know, just because you say that you are qualified to be a custodian doesn't necessarily mean that you are qualified to be a custodian. The qualification for a custodian is what is gray area. It's smoky. It's, it's not ever been clear what qualifies something to be a custodian. If I look at a bank, In a bank situation, the bank is not a custodian of your assets. You're technically lending them your assets in a way, but they're still yours. You maintain ownership. And that's why if the bank goes insolvent, there's insurance that protects you and make sure you get it back. The bank can freeze your assets, but there are clear reasons when and why they do that. Most notably is money laundering or the risk that they think that there is some sort of fraud, criminal investigations. These are spelled out clear as to when and why you would ever get your assets frozen. The exception to this is PayPal, as an example, which isn't a bank, it's a fintech. But like with PayPal, they'll happily freeze your freaking assets all they care to for spurious reasons. Google the word spurious, but they don't care. They'll tell you in their terms, well, if we have reason to suspect that there's something weird going on in your account, we reserve the right to do, 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 do. The truth is they freeze your account because the computer said They didn't like a transaction that might've been normal. You got too much money deposited in, you spent too much money. These are the spurious reasons I'm referring to. Your bank for the most part is not going to really care. Like if you write checks and I don't know who writes checks still. I do. And I'm actually not, I'm out of touch with it because I just, I messed up like three times just recently with this car. But if you write a check, you can write a check for major amounts of money. Your bank's not going to blink an eye. Do you know why? Because when you write a check, it requires a physical human do something. You have to present an ID when you, when you do it, they have to present it to a bank. The bank presents it to your bank. They need to vet at least some, do some due diligence in terms of whether there's money. They don't have to go all the way, but they at least have to try. And then they have to document who you are when you're presenting the check. And ideally your information, your address, your name matches what's on whatever was applied in whatever application. So there's all these things, but it all ties around humans. It all ties around people. People being in the equation nullifies there in their mind, the risk factor. When it's electronic, as in you're doing it online, in their mind, there's a greater propensity of risk, and thus it's more likely to be filtered or blocked. So what he's talking about is in Gensler, what he's talking about is this is all digital stuff. So we don't have a true qualification of custodianship. They can say they're custodians and they can put that in the terms, that doesn't mean that they truly are qualified to be custodians. My counter to this is that they are qualified to be custodians as long as they say they are because ultimately you are giving your assets to them. You don't have keys to the wallet. It's not your wallet, it's not your coins. By definition, black letter, it is custodianship. You're giving it to them. They have custody of your coins, tokens and coins. So I'm disagreeing with what Gensler's saying, although he he seems like he's trying to say something nice. He's really sounding stupid because the bottom line is the definition of the word custody, I challenge you to pull up a Merriam-Webster and see the definition. Custody means you have custody like a child or something else, you you have the custody. If you give it to a centralized exchange, you no longer have custody, they do. And they have the right to freeze it. No different than if you were to walk into some store, they have the right to deny you service because you're not wearing a shirt. It's it's their business. That's what it is. That's free enterprise. We may not like it, but that's the it's the truth. It's what it is. So with Gensler talking about what he was talking about, that played part factor, I believe, in what we saw very recently with this garbage. The other, which is more international shores because I'm in the United States, HSBC, nationwide. These are in the UK or UK-based, Nationwide Building Society. And HSBC, by the way, they do business pretty much everywhere, but they have pulled back. They really restricted it to mostly the UK because of turmoil they had in the financial sector. They used to do, um, United States, I got car loans from them. They're actually a very good company for this, but they pulled back. But recently, both HSBC and Nationwide Building put out a notice that they're banning cryptocurrency purchases via credit cards. Now, if you go back in our archives at cryptotalkradio.net, I called this happening. I called out that there was an increase in pressure to block the ability to purchase cryptocurrency using a, in this case, a credit card, but also debit cards. And I said that you should actually be very pissed off that's happening because the bank is dictating what you can do with what is truly your money because money that's in the bank is yours. The problem is that the card, while the card is issued to you to access the bank, the authorizations, the bank, if you read the terms, they hold the right of what they will approve and not approve. So it's not even about your money. It's about whether they'll allow you to do that, but they'll happily allow you to write a check all day long. They'll happily allow you to do a wire. They'll happily allow you to do ACH. They'll happily allow you to do anything else that they control, but they will not allow you to use that card. They can block you. They can limit you or do anything else. Many of the cryptocurrency exchanges then prefer you to do direct debit. The problem with direct debit is they'll hold access to be able to cash out the funds until obviously the uh, debit clears the draft clears. So yes, you can trade all you care to, but maybe you're trying to get the cryptocurrency so that you can send it somewhere. They won't let you do that. Or you're trying to do something that results in a profit. They won't let you do that. So it's moot. You'd have to buy it with a credit card in order to bypass it or wire funds to them. Then they hold it for who knows how many hours, even though it's a wire transfer. So, I said before, you should really be upset that you're seeing all these different banking organizations disrupting and blocking your ability to use your debit or credit card to purchase cryptocurrency, which is nothing more than an attack on cryptocurrency. Let's be honest here. Whether it's going to result in anything, I don't know. I can't say. But, bottom line, I would be watching that very closely because it's possible that your bank may come up on deck saying, All right, no more using your card to buy cryptocurrency because we don't like it. We feel that's not a thing. We don't think it's good. The last bit of news I'll chat about here today that I thought was intriguing, if nothing else, I don't think anything will come of it, but I wanted to talk about it. So very recently, there was a lawmaker and this came out as some news And it came out from South Dakota, which is one of the states in the United States, in the Union. In South Dakota, they're trying to pass a law. And what it's intended to do is prevent Bitcoin from being included in the definition of, in this case, currency. But money is the word they use. But currency is what they meant. And then they wanted to open up the idea of the CBDC as the only acceptable form of digital currency. Quote, Money means a medium of exchange that is currently authorized or adopted by a domestic or foreign government. The term includes a monetary unit of account established by an international organization or by an agreement between two or more countries. Stop. Let's break that part down. A medium of exchange that is currently authorized or adopted by a domestic or foreign government. This is essentially currency. Let's let's be simple here. It's essentially currency, but the key word is there is adopted by domestic or foreign. So what they're saying in this is they want to define what is acceptable for the purposes of domestic or foreign transactions that involve currency of some kind, and then further includes the word, quote, monetary unit of account. So this basically puts a finite definition on what that can be, what its form can take. Quote, The term does not include an electronic record that is a medium of exchange recorded and transferable in a system that existed and operated for the medium of exchange before the medium of exchange was authorized or adopted by the government. I'm going to translate what that's saying because it's actually very slimy in how it's worded. What they're saying is we will not allow currency to include anything that was already in place, as in it was already used, transferable, available, transacted with, if it was already in existence before it was accepted as mainstream currency, in this, we're not going to recognize it as currency. Do you see how slimy that is? How shady that is? Can you imagine, and some of folks listening to this are too young, but in the era where we were doing moonshine in the speakeasies, right? We were doing this shady business because alcohol was, there was prohibition, right? We could not have legal alcoholism. And so people were going in attics and, and sellers doing it illegally because they were trying to get it, right? If something like this similar took place to say any sort of alcohol that was ever created prior to us passing alcohol as legal for ages 21 and over, we don't recognize that as legal, they're still against the law and you can be locked up for it. It's unimaginable. Could you imagine any weapon that was ever created and used in any form, any war, any situation prior to us legalizing certain weapons for certain entities, we don't recognize those weapons. If you use them in a crime, you go to jail for life. That's essentially what we're saying. So that basically blocks out Bitcoin, it blocks out any cryptocurrency possible, any of them that preceded whatever government accepting and adopting it and recognizing it. And this applies in the United States. Then here's how shadier it gets. Multiple states jumped on this and they said, you know what? We like that. Washington state, garbage it is. California state, garbage it is. Arizona surprises me, but I guess it shouldn't. New Mexico doesn't surprise me. Colorado doesn't surprise me. Wyoming doesn't surprise me. Nebraska does surprise me. Oklahoma surprises me. Hawaii surprises me. Missouri certainly surprises me. Jumping on it to basically say, we want this digital currency that we control and nothing else qualifies as valid currency. Do I think there's a long-term impact to this? Absolutely. Do I think that it's going to have the impact they think it will? No. I think what it does is it forces cryptocurrency underground. I think you're going to see exchanges pop up that allow interplay between what is, quote, acceptable and what's not. I think certain exchanges will just simply ban people that live in certain states like they do now, like Robinhood banned certain transactions when you lived in Nevada, as an example. They fixed it, but at the point that was. I think that's what you have. And so it becomes fragmented when it's fragmented. You don't have uniformity in the use of the currency that you're trying to standardize. Like it's a contradiction of terms, but forcing it underground has other opportunities because it may trigger bullish sentiment because people now are trying to fight the power to quote the song because more people will just say, screw you. We're going to buy into this and just transact it on our own and then shady exchanges that will allow fiat on and off Am I speculating tinfoil? Absolutely. I simply thought it was an intriguing thing that came out of South Dakota, who normally has been very common sense, and this one is very unique and very unfortunate to see them doing it. But obviously it is what it is. There's one thing that could possibly put a halt to this, and that is the, con- the uh, Convention of States initiative assuming they can get more more momentum than they have the convention of states movement i'm not going to bore you here with it i do encourage you to do a search just search for convention of states and you'll find some information about it in summary it's trying to essentially take back government it's trying to take back power it's trying to put power back into the states to govern and get back control fiscal responsibility etc term limits there's a lot of things in it But I think something like that, if it could get any more momentum, has the opportunity to derail some of what we see in things like this. If you're concerned about it, I think you should be, but not in the short term. I would suggest, as just a statement, my opinion, I would suggest just be smart with your trading strategy. At the end of the day, what we know of as cryptocurrency is not going away. It's too late for it to. It's going to change shape if any of this goes forward. We can hope that none of it goes forward. But as I said before, Bitcoin runs the game. Bitcoin backs it all. Bitcoin is the centerpiece. And as a result, everything else is affected by Bitcoin's success or failure. We have to watch, wait and watch, and see where this goes long term. All you can do is hold on to your strategy, whatever your strategy is, and make sure that you're not putting more than you can afford to lose. This is a reason why. for now. I don't anticipate any disruption, but you see the price is uh, unfortunately affected by all this garbage that keeps happening. This is why I say I'm never loyal to any one project because they come and go and you can never know because there's no regulation. And if there were regulation, it would be anti-crypto as we know it now. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form. The link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our Triad. The Triad is a community that we're working to build forward of smart, strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency, to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is to be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.